are starting the Business Can Be Better vodcast. And you know what it's all about. We want to help business owners make business better uh, because, you know, I believe that business should be awesome. It should be happy. It should be freeing. It should be joyful. And uh, that is why I asked Shane Wenzel to join us because I have been watching him all over LinkedIn and he is all of those things. So I thought, let me ask him what his secrets are and ask him if he will share them with us. So I'm just going to thank you so much, Shane, for joining us. And, and I'll just let you introduce yourself if you don't mind. Hey, no problem. Uh, you know, I, uh, my name is Shane Wenzel. I'm president of the Shane Holmes group of companies here in Calgary. And, uh, well, Hey, I'm a home builder slash developer, as I call it. Uh, I, you know, honestly, I followed my father into the home building industry at a really young age. Uh, and when I say young, I mean, 14 years old, uh, my father did not believe that as a 14 year old, I should be sitting around during my summers and, you know, just doing nothing. You know, so I started off when I was 14 years old, working my summers on the job sites, laying patio blocks, cleaning out basements, doing all the odds and sods jobs on the job site. Mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, eventually when I, uh, when I turned 18, I, uh, I, I moved into the office uh, under him as kind of the sales and marketing assistant and uh, worked my way up through the company and eventually became the uh, the senior VP of sales and marketing for the company. And, uh, you know, eventually, you know, it, uh, 10 years ago, I became the president of the company. And that, that wasn't a foregone conclusion just because my name was on the door. Yeah. Uh, even my father said I had to earn it. I had He had to make sure that I was the right person. <laughs> Well, he picked, yeah. he named it after you. He was he should have been confident in you at least a little. No, no, no. Cal has always been one to be able to decipher between family and business. And wow. uh, you know, if I was incapable of becoming president of the company, I wasn't going to become president of the company. I was just going to be the namesake. So it was a really unique way and uh, and thoughtful way that I uh, that I ended up getting the role of the uh, the president of the company and you know from its humble beginnings I mean it's grown into something very very large. Yeah, I had no idea actually until I started talking about you on my social media and people started asking me, you know Shane Wenzel, and I was like, no, but soon I will. <laughs> yeah, but it's uh, it's 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 been one hell of a journey to be totally honest with you. It. Uh, you know, I mean, there's always challenges when you work in a family-based business that, uh, you know, you may not uh, may not agree all the time. And, you know, I mean, I've uh, I've had some experiences with family. I've had some experiences with uh, with some high-profile employees. And truthfully, I mean, I've had to make some tough decisions along the way. And it's uh, it's worked out better for the company, Kelly. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's not easy, you know, trying to separate or find that happy happy line between uh, a family and a family run business. So how many family members are in the business? Well, right now we have, uh, we have three. Oh, okay. And is your dad and retired? No, no. Okay. He's, uh, he's, uh, he just literally turned 77 years old and he's still actively involved in the company. Although, cool. you know, he'll come in uh, right now, you know, with, uh, with all, uh, with all the, uh, the hysteria around COVID, he comes in for about an hour a day with his mask on and, you know, goes into his office and, you know, people come in for meetings and then he's gone an hour later. So my mother's definitely cracking the whip on him. Yeah. Tomorrow we're going to, I think meeting, are we allowed to have meetings tomorrow? I, I have to read the restrictions again, but. I'm going to have to go through that, but uh, I've already got a meeting planned for 1030 with my entire management team. So okay. we're going to have to figure out, you know, That's how do we great. operate in the, uh, in the new world for the next 30 days at least. Yeah. And I think just, yeah, I mean, at least tomorrow for sure, masks are mandatory indoor and outdoor for all workplaces. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad you just showed your drink. I was like, we're both drinking people. Lane at London Road Media started this tradition when we used to uh, do the podcast together, actually. It was like a co-host sort of thing. And he ended up selling his company and becoming CEO of the company. So the group that bought him, uh, have you read the book Scaling Up by Vernon? No, I haven't. 
it's intense. It's like a, a textbook, but it's the best business book ever written. If you follow that to a T, you will be very profitable, very high performing. And so the group that bought his company, they really subscribed to scaling up. And so uh, Lane has become a lot more busy as a CEO than he was as an owner. So he's just like a guest speaker now here instead of a co-host. <laughs> he used right. to always want scotch for the podcast. So then after he left, I'm kind of like... <laughs> So I never drank. And then I had him on last week and he's like, where's your drink? I'm like, okay, we're bringing this back. It's a good COVID thing. Got to find you know, where you can. I think considering the, you know, the current restrictions, everybody's entitled right now. The weird, the weirdest thing for me is like taking off the mask to have a drink and putting the, the mask back on. Like I went to work at a, a restaurant last night and it's like, I have to put this on to go pee and then I have to sit down and take it back off. Like I, it's just, yeah. Anyways, we will not be debating the intricacies of the restrictions tonight, right? We're going to talk oh, about your secrets to success. For sure, sure. So why do you think it's important right now? Like, I, I kind of assume that if you didn't think this was an important thing to share with people, that you would have turned me down. So I'm assuming you agree with me that now, more than ever, is a, a really important time for people to listen to entrepreneurs like you who have succeeded. Um, and... And when you share sort of the way that you got there, like people, people need to hear this right now, because I think a lot of, a lot of people are feeling a little, uh, what's the word, disheartened, discouraged, sure, angry, sure. crazy, right. some people, um, but you seem to be keeping your spirits bright. So how do you uh, get through stuff like this? How, what are your secrets to success? I would say about 90% of the time I do about 10% of the time I can't, yeah. you know, so fortunately I have a very understanding partner at home. He puts up with uh, with my uh, my unhappy moments. <laughs> you know, I love him for it desperately. But you know, it is important because there's a lot of people with a, a ton of despair. And uh, you know, I think where it really hit home for me is when I got an Instagram message from uh, you know from a young man who uh, who was working on his fourth job in the past year. Uh, he couldn't keep it. He couldn't keep it because of the uh, the shutdowns and the economy and the uh, the lack of activity in the economy and that uh, something like that really hits home and actually brought a tear to my eye. You know, so doing things like this, I think, are, are, are incredibly important. You know, for people to hear and uh, you know and keep a little bit of hope just for their uh, for their own sanity's sake. I got to come back to the ninety ten rule. So your spouse only has to deal with you ten percent of the time, not being amazing. My husband's listening to this, you know. I'm pretty sure I'm at like 30%. So he's probably going to be like, listen, when I get home, it's 10% now. Uh, uh, you, yeah. you know, Matt always says to me, he says, you know, I don't understand how you re remain up all the time. And he says, you know, the 10% of the time, he says, I can't stand you. But he says, you know, 90% of the time I can. So I love yeah. authenticity. It's my favorite quality in a human being. <laughs> I, I've been, I'm a pretty big optimist as well, but like uh, not Pollyannish, but optimistic I try to tell people I'm an optimist because it works like yes I don't remember the name of the book right now I think it's learned optimism yes. but that book makes like a case with a lot of uh data and studies behind it for optimism and that like mm -hmm. being optimistic creates more success so I try to tell the the skeptics you know that's why but it also just feels good to be happy and positive and look for hopeful things rather than you know my last uh a couple weeks ago, I posted something about the new, yeah, it would have been two weeks ago. I posted something on, on my personal page, not my business page, but like I told you, I not, not as smart as you have been adding, you know, business contacts on my, uh, my social media personal page for years. So yes. I got this message from someone after I posted an update, which was like, I felt very, I kind of said, I feel like the new restrictions are a good compromise. I hope we can all make this work, you know, like good luck to everyone. Like, super loving message and then I got this like blast message and uh it was like you don't have children you don't understand and like you're horrible and just I was like what I, I was just so blown away and so I really like see a lot of people just struggling right now like I know that person must have been scared you know for their finances mm -hmm. or like their children or whatever but there's a lot of uh I'm so lucky though the people in this building like the eight or nine people that are in these the, these two businesses that I own are brilliantly positive kind solution seeking like they take our our uh, culture statement so seriously like I was on a call 
when the update came out, I came out, yeah. my management team was gathered. They're like, here's the plan. I'm like, thank you. There you go. Yeah. I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky. So that's one of my secret successes surrounding myself with really good people. Have you found that too? Absolutely. I, uh, you know, I couldn't emphasize that any more for people, uh, especially running a business. Uh, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I understand my strengths. I understand my weaknesses. And, you know, I filled, uh, filled people in the gaps in our company where, you know, they have those strengths that are my weaknesses. And I mean, that's, that's a big, big key to success. You know, I'm, I'm good at financing, but you know what? Our GM of uh, financing, she is amazing when it comes to that. You know, our, uh, our development uh, GM, uh, you know, he is, you know, one of the smartest people when it comes to development in the city of Calgary. So, I don't have to have a huge strength that way, but I do have to learn from them. And that's all you can do is pick up a little bit along the way and, you know, and really kind of feed off those people in your business. How did you find those people? With a great deal of difficulty at times. So what did you do? You you do it. The actual steps. Well, the actual steps, uh, you know, in the case of our GM of finance, she was already in place with, uh, you know, as uh, she was hired by our uh, former VP of finance. Uh, and when she decided to leave, uh, you know, she suggested that, uh, you know, that, uh, that Kate would be the ideal person for that role. And, you know, I did my own little interviews. I took a little bit of time, but uh, yes, she is. I mean, she's a very talented individual and comes with an entirely different skill set, you know, which is, which is uh, great. Uh, you know, and Brendan on the, uh, as being the GM of multi, or sorry, uh, the GM of land, he is, a brainchild when it comes to development in the city of Calgary. And that is a huge benefit to us, you know, and he, uh, he was, uh, he was recommended by a number of people in the industry and, you know, he fits the culture as does Kate. She fits the culture of the company so, so well. So important. So you have a hiring process and do you always stick to it? Well, I do when it comes to my executive team. Yes. I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not only looking at culture, I'm obviously looking at the skill set, but, uh, you know, I'm drilling down on people to find out what their strata is. And, you know, I want to know if they really fit with, uh, with the team and what kind of skills they bring to, to the operation. And that's so, worked out well for our success over the years. So your hiring process, I have to ask, is it like legitimately written out step by step? Oh, I still like to wing things a little bit. <laughs> I knew it. You're a visionary, right? <laughs> That would be where I fit in the uh, the process. Yes, I'm. Uh, I I definitely I definitely have a strength when it comes to visioning. You know, past uh, past the year, I look uh, five ten years down the line, and you know, I want to see who the natural fit is within the company. So many people think you can't uh, forecast that far ahead nowadays. What? How do you how do you do that five ten years with? especially current conditions, like, okay, sure. I'll just shut down, you know, entire sectors of business for four, 30 days at least. So these people yeah. are like, okay, so like, how do you plan four, five, 10 years down the road when we can't even know what's going to happen in January? Well, you know what? It's a lot of guesswork. Uh, you know, even my father will sit there and argue. You can't, uh, you can't really uh, look five, 10 years out, it is impossible, really. But I mean, you have to go ahead with the plan that you have. And, uh, you know, and a bit of a women, a women, a prayer, but I've always looked at it and said, well, where are our gaps? You know, where are our weaknesses, obviously. And you, you hire people based on that, you know, and I always look at it as, okay, uh, you know, and you'll laugh at this, but if I die in a fiery car crash tomorrow, and I'm not, involved, I'm, I'm gone, I'm out of the company, who are the people that are going to be able to keep it running? Absolutely. Yeah. Risk. And well, it's, it's, it's a huge risk mitigation. So I just, I use that example. I mean, I know a lot of people like to say, well, if they win the lottery, I'm like, no, I want the the absolute, it stops here. (laughs) Have you read the book? uh, Who? W H O. I have. Yes. Yeah. Did you like it? I felt like it was a little bit much, but it was pretty awesome. Uh, I had to read it a couple of times, especially a few of the sections of it, but you know, I mean, it's uh, it's important to keep up to date on that. Uh, you know, so I uh, I tend to read about a book. You know, I'd love to say every month, but probably every couple of months. You know, I like mm-hmm. to break up uh, break up my reading material quite a bit. Do you use who f- for your hiring processes? The one process that I always 
uh, used from the Who book is the uh, check your network first. Like somebody you know, know somebody awesome. I found that to be very, very true. Oh, that's uh, that's part of it. That's uh, where I hired our GM of sales and marketing here last September. And, uh, you know, she's uh, she's an amazing person, you know, because, you know, I don't have all the knowledge of uh, of, of marketing in a digital space. You know, so that was a gap that uh, that needed to be filled. And Melanie Gowans filled that gap perfectly for us. That's awesome. So do you believe in delegating without understanding or do you, did you, did you have her sort of teach you like a basic level of if she hey, can't show up because of a car? I still, I still have to pop into the odd marketing meeting just to understand things. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a forever changing world, especially on that side of things. So yeah, absolutely. You have to try and understand a little bit of it at least. Yeah, absolutely. And do you get just monthly marketing reports on what they're doing and how they're improving things or you kind of I just feel like lately out. it's been daily. <laughs> just a, what is this all about? What is that all about? <laughs> I don't get it. You know, and I do understand a certain portion of it, but you know, it's it's applying that acronym or that uh, that terminology to the latest and the greatest. So have you read Rocket Fuel? No, I haven't. Okay. So when I asked you if you're a visionary, I was completely thinking about that book and I highly recommend it, but they talk about how the great companies, like every company that basically surpasses 2 million and beats industry standard profit margins, which I mean, it's not hard to do. Most profit margins are not that good. Um, but companies like yours will have a visionary and an integrator because you need those two key people at the top to like, I always say this to my, I have a, two businesses. One, I have a partner and he's, totally visionary i always say to him you're the one running across the bridge with enthusiasm and charisma and i'm the one building the bridge underneath you to make sure that you don't fall you know like yes yeah and so do you have an integrator yes i do he's actually uh he's my brother-in-law he's the vp of operations very cool i bet you guys would love that book rocket fuel do you know oh, probably probably but again you know i learned a lot of that uh, that information through uh through my time at tech canada i spent 7 years there uh in uh, in a very special group and uh you know at times i wish i was still there and at times you know i remind myself why i'm not still tell us about uh, that. i didn't find that on my internet creeping oh uh you know i was involved with tech canada uh geez, for 7 years now 7 years and i retired about two and a half years ago well, actually, it's three years ago now, and that was probably the best business experience I ever had in my uh, my professional career. You know, because you're around people with uh, you know with smaller companies, with larger companies, with the same issues, with different issues, and a wealth of information sitting around the table. And you know what? The funny part is, we're still friends even today, even though you know most of us have left the group now. Uh, we still get together uh, once a year. Well, we won't be getting together for our Christmas cheer now, but you know, drink. we usually get together once a year and uh, and share information and drink. Yes, well, that's what happens. Okay, so is this like a, a mastermind group, a peer group that you were a part of? It is a peer group. Uh, Tech Canada was the uh, was was the main uh, main driver behind that. But we were uh, Tech Group Two One Seven, and I spent seven years there under. Uh, under the guise of, you know, a very wise, wise uh, chair. And so you worked there? No, I didn't work there. Okay. I, uh, I was just a member of one of their many groups. I think I actually have a coach who was part of this group. And you found it was a huge reason for your success? It was a huge reason for the success. Uh, you know, every month he would bring an issue. And it didn't matter if it was a business issue, a personal issue, or a family issue, or or what have you it uh, we brought it up and you know and that was uh, that was kept within the confines of the group and we resolved a lot of things did you guys sign ndas i have run a few masterminds and i always feel like people in the room would share more if they sign ndas did you guys do yes. that yes oh okay. every year yeah, every year we yeah. would get together we would set together a, a a plan for the year and we would re-sign that nda every time that's very cool. And so you're still friends with some, a lot of those people. Do any of them work for you? No, they don't. No, they don't. And that was actually one of the rules of the group is uh, we couldn't do that. Oh, like not mix that together sort of thing. 
Yes, yes, because they found that that was one of the uh, the major issues within the group was uh, they had had that before and it just caused a lot of conflict. You know, so if that were to happen, and it only happened once. With you? Uh, no. <laughs> I was like, it only happened no, once with one right? of the other members and that member actually resigned from the group. Oh. That's okay. He was ready for semi-retirement anyways. Okay, so that that was one of your secrets to success. I'm going to tag that on our uh, video here. Oh yeah, peer peer advisory group automatic, automatic. I mean, can you, you join it if you're not from Calgary? Oh, of course you can. Okay, awesome. They have groups all over the country and uh, and even in the United States. Awesome. Um, okay, so I'm going to say that peer mentorship group was a huge key to your success. You also said finding the right people, so hiring the right people. I also looked at your some of your notes for the meeting. Um, yeah. Sometimes we get off track and I want to make sure you get to share everything that you thought of before. So sure. you, I don't know if you have them handy, but one of the things you wanted to share with people was that you really need to understand your market. That's a huge thing. I, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of people get into this business over 31 years. And, you know, the biggest challenge that I see is that they really don't understand the market. They want to come in and they want to try something new, which is great. You know, but we try, uh, we try bleeding edge every day. I call it bleeding edge in housing. We're selling a luxury item and, uh, you know, that doesn't always work. You know, so we see some people come in and they want to change the industry and they want to do this and they want to do that. And it's like, you know, take it slow, start with, uh, you know, some of the, uh, some of the more standard items and more standard builds and try a few things along the way. We try and do the same thing, but we, we insert specifications or we insert different design models just to see how it works in the marketplace. And, you know, sometimes they're winners, sometimes they're absolute losers. So you totally track all the data on that stuff so that you can analyze it and never make the mistake again, right? As much as you can. So, I mean, you do that through, uh, through product development. You do that through market research. You do that through social listening now. And you try and come up with the best plan. Yeah. So, you know, so social listening, do you mean like a general um, perusing of all the comments on all the different social media platforms? Or do you guys have one of those... Um, soft not software but it's like a subscription setup where it like alerts you if anything comes up about your company or about your industry uh, we have all of that in place awesome. but it's not only that uh you know we've done uh, on-site listening groups as we call them i mean most people would refer to them as focus groups we call them listening groups because we want to find out whether or not you know what we're doing actually is applicable to people and you know it's funny i mean we've seen it in the past where you sit there and say well yeah we could do this and people love it and you sit there and say yeah but it's twenty five thousand dollars they're like "Ooh, i don't love it anymore how many people are in those uh generally our listening groups would run eight people we haven't been able to do them though for about a year now because you know covid do them on zoom that in itself is a bit of a challenge you know and we're looking for uh for the happy space there and you know, we had uh, we had plans. Uh, you know, these uh, these listening groups in the spring, and we had to cancel them because of COVID. And we were planning them again for the new year. It looks like we're going to have to hold them off again for COVID. Well, I'm going to be Pollyannish and assume that uh, this on January eighth, we're going to all be back to normal. So, just I hope so too. <laughs> um, so, I loved what you said about do do research to validate or invalidate your perceptions and be prepared to make changes. I love John Maxwell's of listening because you said really yes. listen, right? And yes. I think the definition is like, listen with the possibility of having your mind changed. Yes. For me, that was like mind blowing because I'm going to just pick on my husband, but like sometimes you're like, okay, baby. Mm, yeah. Here's the real answer, you know, and it's like, finally, you stop talking so I can talk, but that's not listening at all. So I love that. And, you know, sitting down with uh, customers or staff and listening with the real like, okay, I'm open to changing my opinion on this. You know, I love that. So I loved how you noted that. That's really yes. important. Your next point was keep learning. Uh, you have to be or really you're going to fail or you're going to fail. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Keep learning. Automatic. Yeah, seriously, like I can't even, it's, the, for me, it's some people, I hope no one listens to it. They're probably not listening to this because they're not coachable, but the people who come to me or reach out and they're like, listen, I work so hard. I'm doing my best. I did all this and that. It's my team. Can you fix my team? And I'm like, no, 
<laughs> like mm -hmm. we can fix you, which will fix your team, you know, but um, there's a lot of people out there. I, it's some disgusting statistic. Actually, I'm going to look it up because I remember seeing 1% of people haven't read a book since high school. Oh my God. 37%. Is it really school. that high? I actually just did a, uh, did a video on that a couple of weeks ago on LinkedIn. And, uh, you know, that, that absolutely floors me. Uh, when I came into the company, you know, learning was, you know, good. It wasn't great. And my, my, I guess my biggest influencer that way would be my mother, who even today still goes back and takes courses, university courses, whatever she has to. She's not around. Thank God. 79 years old. I'm going to Because she wants to learn more. She wants to learn more. And she's always been a big believer in, you know, continuous learning. So that was kind of a staple in the company for a number of years. And I make damn sure that people go back and do, uh, do upgrading because I want them to be the best at their game. I want them to understand what the newest, latest and greatest is. If we don't, then we fall behind and, you know, we get that down slope of the business cycle and we're not going to be around very long after that. Absolutely. Um, do you guys then kind of take like a balanced scorecard approach? Like is learning one of your four core principles or how do you set oh, up course. that people will learn? Oh, we have a, we have a balanced scorecard in place and, you know, awesome. people and learning is part of that. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. So, yeah. And, and I mean, it seems so obvious. I mean, I'm just about to reread emotional intelligence because I feel like lately I'm like, I feel like other people could have handled that situation better than me. So I'm going to reread it. Um, but when I hear someone say like, I never read or like, why would you do a course or something? I'm just like, okay, this person's not in my circle. Like, I don't want to be surrounded by that. And you know, when you're done learning, you're, uh, you're done. Like you're at the level you're going to stay at, or if you're not learning, oh, yeah. you're not. I think that's a quote. Uh, you know, that's, that's one of my favorite quotes. In fact, uh, you know, if you're not prepared to change, then it's really time for you to step aside. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and there's those rare people that you hire that thrive on change that they're like, oh, yeah. you know, and I'm like, you are amazing. But yeah, you really have to because look at this year, you have to. You like, you literally have to get excited about change. It's the only constant. Oh, sure. Um, I really love how you said failure is okay as long as you learn something from it. My husband's actually a professional MMA oh. fighter and I've seen him lose yeah. only twice. And he always says, you win or you learn. And that's probably someone else's quote, not his. But when he told me that, he, and he's just such a good sport, but he's so wise. He's like a wise old man in a 37-year-old body. But he says, you win or you learn. So um, I think that's a really good, it's just like you saying failure is okay as long as you learn something from it. But I, I love that. Is oh, sure. that one of your culture statements? Oh, definitely. You know, you're, if, if, if you, it, 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 in my case, especially, uh, you know, I've probably failed at least four or five times this year, but I've learned something from it. Yeah, you have. You know, and that's, uh, that's crucial. But, uh, you know, if you're going to fail and not learn a thing from it, then really you're going to continue to fail and you're just, you're going to eventually disappear. That's a really hard thing for me, though, because like I'm forever, I've been trying to become a non-perfectionist. So like when we run a Facebook ad campaign and people like write rude comments on the post and we don't get any leads, I'm still like almost in tears sometimes, but I, I really want to get that. Like, I really want to get that, like fail for your fail forward or like, um, like my Michael Jordan or like the KFC guy, like there's so many stories yes. about how you have to fail so many times to get to the yes. And so yes, really, I'm going to make that a new year's resolution to just be okay with failure because one of my mentors calls it like a step one moment and you have to have these step one moments to realize what you sure. don't want, you know, to, yeah, to, to move to what you do want. So yeah. Um, hire people smarter than you. Have you heard that one before? It's true. I love how you're right. You're so cheeky. <laughs> okay. So well, it's true. We talked about it. I mean, it's important. I, uh, I can't be the best at everything. Some people who aren't secure, I think myself for sure as a young manager, a 19 year old managing like 200 yeah. people in call center, I was scared to hire people smarter than me because I, I was insecure. I wasn't confident. I didn't know what leadership was at that point, but now I totally yeah. get that. 
Yeah. I it's okay. It. 65 year olds are scared to hire somebody who will take them out of the game too. Yeah. Yeah. And yet, you know, they shouldn't be, hmm. you know, in fact, you know, on, on that point, I would say that's, that's, that's one thing that I ask people when I hire them is that how are you with mentoring? And they ask why. And I say, well, you know, honestly, uh, you're not allowed to leave this world without imparting your knowledge on those people. It's not fair. It really isn't because, you know, you want that younger generation to be smarter than you and you want them to be able to do the same thing. You know, so this, uh, this job protectionism is, uh, is really silly to me at times because even I have to do it. At some point in time, I, uh, I become irrelevant. I can't do my job the way that, uh, that I should, and I, uh, I should step aside, but I'm prepared to mentor people because I want them to create a world that they're happy with as well. I want them to create a world that I'm going to be happy with. I was actually just going to ask you, how do you want to change the world? That's the one way. You know, I want to impart my knowledge upon the, uh, the younger generation. You know, and they've got some time with me. I'm still prepared to talk. I'm still prepared to give them my, uh, uh, the knowledge that I've accumulated over my career. And I want them to be able to, to succeed. I want them to be able to make the world a better place. And do you do that in a formal way? Like, are you in formal mentorship relationships or just anyone who comes along? Yes, informally. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it's funny. <laughs> you know, and this actually started in tech, uh, you know, where I, I would get approached by people to, uh, to have coffee appointments. And, uh, you know, I, uh, at first I thought, well, that's kind of odd. And then I went ahead and just agreed to it. And I bet you I do about 40 of those a year now. And some of them are benefit, or sorry, most of them, I should say, are beneficial. Some of them, maybe not so much. And it's not always looking for, sorry? Beneficial to both of you? It could be beneficial to them. It could be beneficial to me. It could okay. be mutually beneficial. You know, sometimes it's young entrepreneurs who are just looking for advice. You know, so I figure, well, you know, an hour and they buy coffee is, 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 uh, is a, pretty decent trade-off and others want to talk about business. So, I mean, we've been able to make some business connections that way, but uh, you know, for the most part, I mean, it's, uh, it's giving that knowledge to people out there. I mean, they never thought they'd be able to make a connection like this and, and learn from it. I think that's one of the, that was one of the moments when I first was able to admit that I was doing really well when somebody asked me to mentor them, I was like, what do you mean? I'm only like 34, like I'm 37 and a half. What? But yeah, when someone asked me to mentor them, I was like, you want me to mentor you? And I, I was like, really, I really need to give myself more credit, you know? And, and have you ever read Jack Canfield uh, success principles? No, I haven't. There's this one uh, exercise where he asks you to go back to like kindergarten and write down every single accomplishment you've ever had, including graduating from kindergarten. So it's a long list. And uh, once you do that, you're like, okay, I could see how like a large part of the population could be wanting mentorship because they're not doing this in their life. Right. But yes, it's a very select few that actually reach out for mentorship. And it's so sad because we all want to give back. Like we all want to, we all want the world to be better than we, than it was when we found it. And I mean, half an hour, I remember the last uh, kid that I mentored, we had Indian food and champagne, and I taught him the value of celebrating. And uh, we talked about, oh, his incessant need to be better and better and achieve more and more and more. And I was like, okay, I killed myself like that for 20 years. And then I learned you got to be happy. You got to love yourself. And then, because there's this real ceiling when you're hard on yourself, when you're in that sort of like, um, oh, Oh, got to grind 24 seven, blah, blah, blah. Like, okay. Like you have a real ceiling on where you're going with that. You know, when yes. you feel good, you feel happy, you are kind to yourself and you have that vibe. You attract way more success. You're way more uh, wealthy, way more profitable, more people sure. to be on their podcasts. Well, for Pete's sake, stop and enjoy those wins. Yeah. It's hard, you know, and as hard as my parents try to bless their hearts, they're amazing parents, but I was talking to my psychologist friend about this the other day, every single parent, like no matter how hard they tried, 
somehow accidentally gave us some belief that made us feel not good enough. So that's just a matter of dig that up, figure it out. <laughs> Have you read Tree Harv Eckert's Millionaire Mind, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind? No, I haven't. Oh, you got to read it. Do you like reading or do you prefer audiobooks? Oh, you know what? I'm trying all of them. I, uh, you know, I still prefer the physical book. Me too. I love yeah. it. And I always read in the bath, so I wreck them. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, love I mean, for me, you know, I had things like tech growing up, but uh, I also have two very entrepreneurial parents. That's really cool. What did your mom do? Uh, my mother was involved with, uh, with oil and gas. She, uh, she had her own consulting company for a number of years. Cool. Uh, over the last, I would say, 20 years, she's been in market research. And over the last five years, she's been in market research. And she's been, uh, you know, a part-time activist. But you wow. can imagine, as a young person growing up, and, uh, you know, my siblings are much older than I am. So, you know, it was really just me, my mom, my father at home. So I'm sitting around the table at dinner with two entrepreneurial parents who do nothing but talk about business and sales <laughs> and marketing. So to be a you know, it does kind of get ingrained up here, you know, yeah. for, uh, for a lot of your young life and well into your adulthood. Is your mom still doing market research? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 79 years old. She loves doing that. I would love to pick her brain because it's like the only time in history where there's not like loads and loads of data and studies and statistics on consumer behavior you know it's all yes. it's all changing like okay we know people are shopping online more like i sent an article to a friend who owns a car dealership and i was like dude you got to get online like you have to let people experience the car online you have to try and sell it online like you have to go there this is yes. before covid um but i don't know how well received that was but um we don't like it's the first time in my history in business. So let's say in the last almost 20 years where I couldn't go Google statistics, consumer behavior, and then whatever industry yeah. have gobs of information to apply to whatever population that I'm trying to work with. But now it's like, well, we know more people are buying online. Uh, we know yes. people are buying early for Christmas. Uh, and we know people are buying a lot of gift cards, but I think that's yeah. all. You know, actually, I think I got a Google Insights email today. I haven't read, but it's kind of scary because I really rely on market research. So what's your, have you talked oh, sure. about, that, about that at all lately? Like, is she having a hard well, that's, time? That's where the listening groups were supposed to come in. And now we're, you know, we're on hold again. Oh, you'll figure it out doing it through Zoom or something. You'll figure it out. Oh, sure. There's always a way to, to make this happen properly. But, you know, we'll get there. We'll get there. I mean, we want to know what, uh, you know, what consumer preferences have changed in new homes. Yeah, you do. And I love primary research. It's the best because using like stuff from the states and trying to apply it to a population in Alberta, for, for example, is, is never the best. It's tough. The best assumption. So I want to ask a question because I have worked with some home builders before and I hope that they're watching because um, I've seen a lot of home builders uh, pick two, one of two paths. The cheap path, which yes. I is a race to the bottom and I never support that. You know, I only work with yeah. people who want to be the best and charge the most. And then the people who do yes. everything right and they choose the ethical, uh, expensive contractors and the best materials, right? Um so yes. what would you say to a home builder, maybe a new one or somebody who's been in business for a few years and they want to keep going. They want this to be their legacy, their empire. Like they want to get to where you're at. What do you tell them? Well, that's where the market research comes in. But at the same time, it's, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's carving out that market niche. Uh, you know, I'm the first one to sit there and say, no, we're not the cheapest. Uh, we don't use the cheapest trades. And there's a reason for that because, you know, I want to be around for a long, long time. Yeah. And we've been around for 41 years so far. So, yeah. I mean, that's, that's worked well under the guidance of my father for the first half. And, uh, you know, I'm hopeful that, you know, the second half, you know, I put my brand on it and, and maybe the, uh, you know, the third half is, is my son. But, uh, you know, we don't use the cheapest trades because, you know, we, we believe in the customer having this amazing experience buying a new home and it shouldn't be stressful. It shouldn't be frustrating. It should be a really fun, fun experience. 
So you but at the same time, when we look at the triple bottom line as an example, uh, you know, we drive this 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 income from a from the community in Calgary. We have to give back to the community. You know, we want to make sure that the community continues to grow and to thrive. You know, so there's that philanthropic side of things too. Can I just, I want to just mention to the people who don't have business degrees, um, the triple bottom line is profit, people, planet, right? Yes. You were talking about? Okay. So how do you guys do this? Because being the best and like, I am all about high ticket services. Like that's the only client that I coach. That's what I have. Like when people hear my prices compared to another business coach, they're like, are you kidding? I'm like, no, look at my results. So, right. Like be the best charge the most. That's my, that's my policy. But um, yeah. So how do you, what is the Venn diagram that I'm trying to think of where it's like, you can either be the best quality, the best service or the best price, but you can only be two of the three. I think best quality, best price, or uh, sorry, uh, best quality, uh, definitely best customer service, best customer service. Sorry, not the best price. I'm not going to be the cheapest. <laughs> we so can't be the best price. price because we choose not to be, uh, you know, I mean, we want to provide a service that, you know, that people are going to enjoy. And, you know, we, uh, we have a customer experience intent that, uh, you know, that we want our staff to follow. And if they can't follow it, then they can't be with us anymore. Same thing with our trades and suppliers. And again, because it comes back to the fact that we want our customers to have the best experience possible. We want them to have fun. You're talking about subcontractors that you pay to do parts of the job or parts of the home. They also agree to your customer service experience? Absolutely, they have to. That's amazing. And if uh, if they they agree to it and they can't uh, they can't maintain it, then we change them. So, how do you guys do people plan a profit? Like, how do you maintain that? Well, I mean, we place a lot of faith in our people. Uh, you know, I would say that uh, you know, I mean, we went through layoffs for the first time in uh, three years ago, and I mean, I think that's pretty amazing for thirty eight years that you've never laid anybody off, but. Uh, when we did that, uh, you know, we accelerated the departure of some of our retiring managers and we brought people up through the ranks inside the company and we trained them, you know, for, uh, you know, for, uh, for EQ. And fortunately, a lot of them, you know, they had the, uh, the right EQ for the business. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we put them through the, uh, the coaching program, the management essentials, and they're shining stars. You know, they are the future of the company and, uh, you know, and they, I mean, that's one way to bring people along. So, I mean, we you know we're not perfect at it, but we uh, we do have programs in place to bring people up through the ranks in the company slowly but surely because you know we believe in our people and we compensate them properly. That's huge. I, I hope people hear that because um, for me, in the companies that I've started and sold, or the ones that I currently own, or the ones that I coach, I always. I have to always kind of talk people through this. And I talked myself through it today because we're making a big move with one of my companies. And it's like, we need this other person and it's going to cost a significant amount of money, but I have to act in faith and, and hire this person and know that the return will come because the opposite is that scarcity or that fear, then that will happen. But can I circle back for a second? Harvard University management essentials, you put everybody through that? No, no, okay. no. There's other programs that you can put them through. It's management. No. Harvard gets a little expensive after all. It says it's only eight weeks long. It's probably only uh-huh. $100,000. Yeah, it's only $100,000. It is eight weeks long. And, uh, you know, we talked about that at length in tech. Which management essentials program are you talking about then? Oh, uh, the Center of Excellence. We uh, we aligned with them many years ago. and they uh, Center of Excellence in Calgary? Yeah. Because look, this uh, no, is yeah, no, they're uh, they're not based out of Calgary, but uh, you know, the center of excellence is. Uh, I'll find. I it almost want to say they're out of the UK, but uh, you know they uh, they did so a tremendous job, and you know, it, it to be honest, we didn't just send the uh, our our junior or our team leads through uh, through the program. Is uh, this we sent our entire management team through them. Can you see my screen, Shane? Yeah, that's is not that, it. That's them. No, that's not it. Okay, what is it? I want to find it for the I want to find it for the listeners and put it down below in the comments. You know what? If you don't mind finding that later for me, we'll just throw it up in the comments later. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. No, it was a uh, it was a great program. We put uh, 
we put all our junior managers or as we call them team leads through the entire program, but we put the entire management team through the program. So everybody was really on the same page and, and it was a good on EQ. Oh yeah. That was one of the, uh, one of the modules that I had everybody take is just finding your EQ. And it was interesting just to find out, you know, where everybody was at on the scale, you know, so half had really high IQ, or sorry, EQ and the other half had kind of a low EQ. So it, it, it's worked out that it's a bit of a good balance for the entire management team. And a lot of people uh, may not know what that acronym stands for, but emotional quotient. So like emotional intelligence, yes. basically, right? Yes. Yeah. It's so, so important. I don't think, I don't think we uh, measure that enough. I'm really glad I picked that book back up. We're That's actually- crucial. I'm, I'm going to lose one. One strong, uh, you know, emotional, but uh, I gained one at least. So the balance is still there. You know what we're doing on Monday, actually? Uh, this brilliant training uh, from a consultant in Calgary who works with like all these huge restaurant chains and Aritzias and uh, just like some of my most favorite huge businesses. But they're going to yeah. do uh, this for us on Monday. It's like about diversity and inclusion. And yep. discovering our unconscious biases so that we can create an inclusive environment, an innovative environment. I'm so excited. And the EQ thing just reminded me of that. But, and I don't know if you ever follow any of my stuff the way that I creep on your stuff. But I had a really great podcast a couple weeks ago on what I thought was going to be a top, uh, talk about racism. But it turned into a talk about inclusion and diversity, which uh, yep. it was just magical. So if you have time, uh I just, I loved it. And uh, Brian Lanier is one of the best mentors and teachers I've ever had in, in my life. Is he? Okay. Uh, he's, oh, I can't, you'll love him. The minute he starts talking, you'll be like, I need to meet you. Like, he's just a special human and he's so intelligent. Um, yeah, he's awesome. Uh, so one more question. What's your favorite book? Oh, God. You know, there's so many of them. That's a good question. Yeah, I don't think I can answer that. One of the, you know, I can't remember the name of it, but one of the best books that I ever read was on Southwest Airlines. And it was one of the best books I ever read because it was based all on customer service. And that was really what kind of started me down the path of, you know, how important it is for your customers to have that, that truly, truly five-star experience. And it just snowballed into a lot of other things. This is going to be impossible to find because book is also like book a flight. Yes. <laughs> so my Google search is proving futile, but I have I'm just going to have to send it to you. So many people, they, they try to like do marketing and lead conversion, bless their souls and customer retention and yeah. get Google reviews. And it's like, they forgot the first piece, which is exceptional customer yes. experience. Because yes. if you don't have that, you can't have high margins. You won't have reviews. You won't yeah. have, you know, like it's, that has to be the focus. So I, I'm, what I'm hearing is that you have that permeated through your whole organization, like right to the subcontractors, which in so my what, opinion, I'll tell you what we do have, you know, we have good long-term people. Mm -hmm. We have, we have a customer intent statement and it's going to take some time to get to where I think we should be. It's not perfect, not yet. Hmm. Yeah, but I think it starts with uh, starts with your people, and it just kind of snowballs through the entire organization at some point. Because you know, even my father, he uh, he was he he started off putting you know the customer at the top of the org chart, and I questioned that about ten years ago, and I said, "Do we really believe that? Do we really place the customer that high?" I mean. Do we believe it internally in the organization? Because it's nice to do that, but, you know, do we believe it? And, and it turns out, you know, we didn't totally believe it throughout the entire organization. So with, you know, with the recession in Alberta and, uh, you know, with some of the changes I've been able to make, I mean, we have made that effort to actually move in that direction. It's still going to take more time, though. We're not perfect. It's I so can't even say we are. And that's okay. I mean, perfection is unattainable, right? But to to go back and I think people like when you hire someone, you're like, here's our mission, here's our vision, here's our culture statements. But what about the retraining? What about the reiterating the vision? You know, like people need yes. to know. And and I like how you said, like, are we really doing this? So um, 
Yeah. The, and that was the problem. It was a lot of this. It's at the top of the org chart. Okay. Yeah. But we don't believe it. Yeah. People, you have to believe what it. your ads say. It's like, that's a problem. You know, like, yeah, yeah it's, that's, that's awesome. Well, I'm so, I'm super happy for you, especially in a time where a lot of companies are struggling. Um, obviously you deserve to be where you're at, but I just wanted to recognize you and commend you for having an exceptional company and being an well, exceptional thank you. leader. Yeah. in a time where a lot of people are struggling and, and thank you so much for giving time to us because a lot of people Absolutely. listen to these and they take a lot from them. A lot of people message me and they say, I made so many notes. I'm going to have to listen to it again. Um, so thank you from the bottom of my heart. I really appreciate, you know, just some random nobody. Absolutely, on Kelly. I don't know how many times I had to message you. I don't think it was too many times, but thank you for saying yes and being our guest. Um, <laughs> no problem. There's a quick tip portion at the end of the podcast. So you yeah. have one written down. You remember it? Oh, God. I'll tell what you. What was my quick tip? Don't expect it. Earn it. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I fed that one to, uh, to my son a number <laughs> of years ago, and I still tell him that. Don't expect it. Earn it. You yeah. have to earn it. You have to work hard for it. Does Is he work for the company? Yes, he does now. Okay. Just part-time because he's still going to university. Oh, is he taking business? He's threatening me that he's going to get his MBA, which would be, would be absolutely great. Yeah, I would. Because I would make him even, you know, I already say he's smarter than I am, you know, and in school, he will definitely be smarter than I am. And, you know, I have high hopes for him and I know he'll come through. And just let him know, not all of us MBAs are completely hoity-toity, uh, arrogant, whatever people think. Because I was warned when I joined, I went back to school five years ago and people were like, just don't turn into one of those like people who thinks they're like so much better than people. I'm like, I would never... I would never, ever, ever oh. do that. But apparently some people with MBAs have bad reputations. So No, yeah, well, certainly some of them do. And, uh, you know, in his case, he's very young. He's very pragmatic, but he's very down to earth. What's his you name? Know, so Is it Shane? Sebastian. No, it's Sebastian. Come on. Okay, can you tell people where they can follow you? Because I can't get enough of you on LinkedIn. So where can <laughs> find you on LinkedIn? Just Shane Wenzel? You're just so refreshing. What? You're like, you're, well, you're like, <laughs> damn it. Here's my opinion. And you're going to listen. Well, LinkedIn. for me, it's, it's, uh, it's Shane Wenzel on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, you know, various okay. other platforms. Uh, you know, and the company is just simply Shane Holmes. Awesome. You know, you can find them on various platforms from everything from LinkedIn to YouTube. Awesome. Because of your amazing marketing manager, right? Or is she your CMO? Uh, she's our GM of sales and marketing. And if, uh, you know, if all things continue on the way they are, she'll probably be our VP of sales and marketing very shortly. Very cool. I hope she's watching. Congratulations. Yeah. So guys, I just want you, if you're listening, you're watching, I hope you take some inspiration from Shane and remember that even with some of these tougher times that have come around, business can be better. It can always be better. And it's sure. always from you. You are the bottleneck or, you know, the blessing. So as a leader, it's your responsibility to learn this stuff and uh, take it into your companies and lead your people to success. Because like you said, you know, you have to earn it, right? You have to do the work. So. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Shane. I'm sure that uh, we'll be in contact again in the near future and good luck with uh, your companies. And I look forward to continuing to kind of stalk you on LinkedIn and we'll talk soon. <laughs> Sounds good, Kelly. Thanks for coming. Have a great night. You too, then. <laughs>